Welcome to the Confidence Lounge podcast, where we cover all things confidence in life and business. I'm your host, Elise Conroy, and I'm on a passionate mission to help thousands of women across the world feel more confident from the inside out, because not on my watch am I ever going to watch another woman do insecure life and business again. So if you're ready to become your most confident self, mama, or businesswoman, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So grab your favorite beverage, get nice and comfy, and get ready to receive today's confidence injection. All right, friends, we are back and this is Coach Week and you know, I'm all about taking confident action now and today we are going to do this in a massive way and I'm not talking about the type of confident action where we get started and then we stop. No, we are going to be making confident commitments and I am supported by one of the best of the best that I've ever met, Miss Sarah Arnold Hall. Hello and welcome. Yay. Thank you for having me. I'm so pumped. Let's go. Yes. Okay. So Sarah, where do I even start with you? She is one of the most remarkable high performance coaches that I have ever met. And she is the queen of helping take, helping people take action to overcome procrastination. And I love what you do, Sarah, because you're really working with people to help them follow through on their goals. And you have such a unique approach and such a simplistic approach in the way that you do this. And I think that that is why it is so effective, the coaching that you do. And I know I've been coached by you. It's some of the best coaching that I've ever received. So I'm so excited for people to absorb everything that you have to say today. So you all are in for such a, a, such a treat. And if you really want to make your goals, your reality, if you want to really get started fueled by confidence, we're going to get you into that today. And PS she's joining us from New Zealand. How cool is that? (laughs) Yes. All the way. We actually have internet over there. (laughs) I know. It's like Kiwis have internet. What? (laughs) Okay. So let's open this up. I would love for you just to start and tell us a little bit about you, what you do, all the magic. Feel free. Kick this off. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm Sarah. I help people achieve their impossible goals. And the way that I do that is I help them actually follow through on the plans that they make because I used to be the biggest procrastinator. I used to struggle so much. I would set big goals and dreams and I knew I could achieve them too. Like I really had a belief that there was a version of me who could achieve it, but I would just get so caught up in the planning and so caught up in it needing to be perfect and needing to have planned like a content calendar ahead of time or having planned like 10 YouTube videos to make first. And I just never could seem to get myself to actually do it. And once I created the tools and got coached myself and understood how, oh, okay, this is how I shift my thoughts. This is how I shift my feelings and my actions to actually get myself to follow through totally changed the game for me. And I blocked every day for two years in a row and I meditated every day for a year. And I did push-ups daily for months at a time until I hit 50 push-ups in a row. And so many other daily challenges and things that I did to just show myself I can follow through. I can be someone who always does what they say they're going to do because I think that's the secret. If you can do what you said you would do, then it doesn't matter what your plan is. If you feel confident that the plan can work, you just have to execute it then. Then that's all that's left. And then you hit your goal. It's There's no drama. There's no questions. You just do the thing you said you were going to do. And then you hit all your goals. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like, what a concept. But how much did your self-trust go up when you actually follow through and had your own back with all of this? So much. Like, I don't even think that it's on the scale or that it was on before. Like, it's not, it's like far beyond 11, you know, like right. I feel the sense. I was walking down the street yesterday. Actually, it was so funny because 
um, across the road, like when the green man was on, um, but like the whole line of traffic had to stop it was because one person was trying to turn and they, they blocked it. And like the whole traffic like completely stopped. And it made me laugh because I was just walking down the street with such confidence already in my head. Like, of like, I can do anything. I was thinking about how nothing can stop me. I have so much self-trust. Like if I say I'm going to do something, I'm just going to do it. And then this whole row of traffic just stopped for me. And I was like, yeah, that's right. Like I am powerful. Like I have this ability to just do something and then go out and do it. And like the world is reacting to that. So exactly. They feel the vibe. They're like, make way. <laughs> the queen just <laughs> through. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So when you were going in and going all in on those commitments, because I think that's so inspiring. It's just taking one little thing and actually following through. I know I did that. And that was a huge thing that got me through my pregnancy. I meditated for a hundred days straight and it was like, Oh, no wonder why I was sane going through this really crazy experience. Right. And I know for me, my confidence went up, my self-trust went up. So when you went all in on that, what did that look like for you? Mm. Oh, I mean, it was horrendous. Like, don't <laughs> get me wrong. It wasn't fun. <laughs> and in the beginning, right. It feels like a disaster. I always say this to my clients, I'm like, you're going to, you're going to create this amazing plan. You're going to go away and it's going to be an immediate disaster. It's not going to work at all. And that's exactly how it felt. Like for as, like the first three days, I was like excited to write on my blog, you know, excited to do the meditation. And then after that, you kind of lose the initial spark of energy. And then it's like, oh, this is the reality. I'm going to have to get myself to do this every day. And I would dread it. I would absolutely dread it. But then once I had done it, it's like the feeling of the dread contrasted with having done it was so huge. Like to know that you really don't want to do something and then you can switch. And sometimes I had to push through the hard way. Like, okay, even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to push myself to do it anyway. And sometimes I would change the way I felt and be like, no, I'm going to have fine this fun. I'm going to find a way to make this enjoyable. And I really gave myself the grace that it didn't have to be perfect. Cause I think that's one of the things we think about when we take action and consistency and all of those things is we've confused consistency and perfection. And if you can just show up and just do a little tiny bit, even if you take three breaths in a meditation, or even if you just write one sentence on a blog, whatever it is, if you can just do that one tiny little thing, you keep going, that self-trust just builds and builds and builds. Yes. But yeah, it was pretty horrific in the beginning. And I mean, it always is for me. Like every time I take on a new goal, I'm like, ah, oh, why did I just tell everyone that I was going to do that? <laughs> And it's funny because I think most of us don't make space for that part, right? And that's why we end up quitting. And we get to this place where we don't expect the dread to come or we don't expect the resistance to be there. We don't make space to actually need to push through in those moments. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, why does this feel terrible? But I think that that's such a key point. And I'm so happy that we're talking about this because this is for me at this point in my life, what I just plan for. And I think about all of the products that I developed in my life, thousands of products that are out in the world. Did any of those products ever go out without a hitch? No, there was always a hiccup. There was always, you know, something that happened that I dreaded, that it didn't feel good, but I had to overcome it to actually get the product out there. There was never once any project that I ever worked on that went hundred percent seamless. That's just not the way that things go in life. And I think for so many of us, we have this, we're drunk on the illusion that, oh, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be so easy. We're sold this live easiness, right? And then we get going and we're like, actually, wait, this feels terrible. Hold on. <laughs> I've been lied totally. to. People are going to judge you. Yeah. You're going to feel just never like doing any of it everything's gonna go wrong stuff you never expected to go wrong because I feel like that's the thing I'm like when I make the plan I'm like yeah yeah stuff's gonna go wrong but I'm imagining like certain types of things going wrong yes. and I'm like okay I can handle that and yeah. then something totally out of left field that I wasn't expecting to go wrong goes wrong and I'm like no not that that's not what this wasn't part of the plan yep. <laughs> but if you make it part of the plan in the beginning like everything's gonna go wrong and it's not we're not manifesting that into existence we're just reminding ourselves that 
it's totally okay. And we can handle anything. And this is all part of the plan for it to go wrong. Absolutely. It's like, I think we have to become the master of the curveball, right? And I think about so many things where I'm like, okay, dodge this one. Cool. Got that. Okay. Recovered from this. No, this next one's going to be coming. I'm ready, right? I've got my glove on. It's just, I'm expecting it at this point because it always comes. And I think that you put up a post that went crazy viral and it was the post about when you, and this is the thing I love about you is you articulated something so complex for so many of us and made it so simple to understand and digest with a graphic. And that was the post about showing up every single day. So it's like we have, and you guys have to go to her Instagram page and see this post because it just, it makes so much sense. You have it pinned as the first one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's basically bubbles and they're all filled in and it's like how we think or what we think it is to actually get going. Right. And then we should, what it actually means. And it's like half bubble here, three quarter bubble here, maybe no bubble here. It's like, and that's exactly why people, people don't understand that. They think once again, it's got to be perfect. Like what you articulated in the graphics. So why do you think that post had such a brilliant reception? Yeah, because I think that particularly with the bubbles that the bubbles are kind of like, um, I imagine them as like filled in, like to-do list, colored in, like, okay, I completed that that day. And we kind of think of our to-do list, like you either completed it or you didn't. It's like an all or nothing thing instead of like a, could you have done some of it? And did that count? So I think that really resonates because it's like almost a visual that brings in like the to-do list. Like, did you check it off? Yes, you did. If you did a tiny piece of that, it still counted. Like we discount if we didn't do it perfectly, then that doesn't count at all. Like that whole day is a write-off and we might as well just, you know, completely stop. Why even bother continuing? Yeah. So on that point, I think this brings up a really beautiful question. When people get going and maybe they're thinking it is the all or nothing, or they're stuck in perfection. What do you think it is that keeps them quitting? That keeps them quitting? Yeah. Why they keep going back to quitting? Exactly. So it's like they get started, they get moving. Maybe once again, they have something, a curveball hit them and they spin out and then their end result is always quitting. Why do you yeah, think I mean, there? Yeah, it's always going to come back to thinking that there's something wrong mm-hmm. in that situation. Like, I'm like, oh, no, no. Like, of course, this thing that's gone wrong, it doesn't mean there's anything wrong in the plan. Like, there's nothing wrong. Like, we're still going to hit the goal. And I think as soon as you think that this there's something wrong about it, like if you're trying to um, maybe journal every day and then you didn't journal perfectly on one day it's like oh well, that's it that's no point or it's like right before you like it's always happened to me I'd like lie in bed and they'd be like oh my gosh I forgot I was supposed to do this thing and it's so easy to be like oh well that's a write-off like that doesn't count instead of no I can just how could I make this happen right now right here and make it the easiest thing so I think as soon as you think that there's something going wrong that's when and you're and you're letting that be a problem like instead of just okay something's gone wrong and and that's fine and I can fix it I think that's the biggest thing that I see. Yeah, I agree. And this brings us to the brilliant analogy that we were talking about right before we got started about the cake. And I think for so many of us, we don't realize that there's thoughts that are going on in our beautiful brains that are totally spinning us out. So I'd love for you to share that analogy because once again, you're the queen of this. And I just think it once it just makes it so simple for us to understand. Yeah. Okay. Well, the question that really prompted this analogy for me is someone said to me, how come you can seem to just change a thought? Like when you realize that a thought is going on, like you just change it. I'm like, yeah, because if we take a thought, like, for example, I'm not good enough. When you recognize that that thought is there, you might not want to change it. Cause you're like, yeah, but I want, I want to like keep it. So when I think about the cake, I'm like, every thought is an ingredient to bake a cake. And we try to, we, we might've recognized that this is a thought that's a problem. Like the, I'm not good enough. And we're like, yeah, but maybe what we need to do is we just need to change the oven temperature. 
maybe that's the problem. And you try and bake the cake and you're like, no, it weird. It came out really weird again. It didn't like, it didn't work. And you realize it's because there's a sledgehammer in the middle of your cake. It doesn't matter how often you change the oven or like what temperature you put it at, or if you change just a couple of the other ingredients, like there's always going to be a sledgehammer there. Once you recognize that the thought I'm not good enough is a sledgehammer in your cake, you don't have to hold on to that anymore. Why would you ever hold on to it? So it's like when when people ask me, like, but you just let go of it. I'm like, yeah, because I don't want a sledgehammer in my cake. And I can see that's the problem. And a good example of like ways that we try to work around this is we're like, but what if I just got some more qualifications? And that's like changing the dial on the oven. Or what if I just got, um, you know, um, some new plan? Like maybe that's the problem. Maybe I need to like have another plan or another degree or um, maybe I need more experience. And then we're just trying to change the conditions of the cake when really there's just a sledgehammer in the middle of the cake. You've got to remove the sledgehammer, which is I'm not good enough. And then everything works. Suddenly the cake works. Right. And that thought is that I'm not good enough thought is such a sneaky one because that shows up as I'm not doing enough. You know, I just every, I still always say this to my clients because that's a big one that they suffer with is the inherent belief that they're not good enough or that they're not worthy or whatever it might be. But that thought takes on so many different outfits and it shows up in every area of our life. It's what keeps us staying late at work, right? Thinking we need to overwork and continue to prove ourselves. It's what keeps us thinking, oh, I'm not a good enough parent because I didn't do this and this. It keeps us in the comparison game and keeps us being like worried about being judged. And it's such an unfortunate thing because we were all born good enough. And it's, I know you and I know this, right? And we've done so much work around this, even just ourselves as people. But that is the one thought that I wish just us as women could overcome because once you see it, it is like a sledgehammer. It's like, hold on. I've been beating myself with a sledgehammer my whole entire life. And I know, I don't know if you're like this too, but when I get so done with a specific thought, it literally feels like a sledgehammer. I'm like, okay, I'm done with you. I'm taking this out of my cake. I'm not empowering you anymore. I'm over it. Right. And then I'm like, okay, we're changing this today. And I hope that all of us can get to that point to where we are so done living under this belief that we're not good enough because it's just not true. It's societal conditioning. It's all the the things, right? The sneaky thing about it is that even once we found it, sometimes we don't think it's the sledgehammer that's the problem. Right. That's where we're like, okay, but no, I know that I'm thinking I'm not good enough, but I'm like, I want to cling on to that thought yeah. because what if we can figure it out a different way? What if we can just yeah. get another qualification? What if we can just stay late at work? What if we can just do this other thing and change the conditions to make the cake different? But you're always going to have a sledgehammer. You just have to, once you see it, you can't unsee it. You have to remove right. it. Yes, it's so true. Now for people who struggle to see it, do you have any tips on how to generate awareness there? Mm, um, I would ask, what is the real problem here? So I was doing this the other day when I was like trying to work out like, how am I going to have all my groups and all the different time zones? And I was using chat GPT. I was like, come on, like make me the perfect schedule. And it was coming from this premise that I could only have 10 people in a group. And it was like, I was trying to solve all of these other issues. And then I was like, well, what if I was like, I could have more than 10 people in one group. And it blew my mind. I was like, that's the problem. I'm That's my sledgehammer in the cake. I keep trying to solve everything else. And it, it, all the time zone issues and everything, because I'm trying to have all of these groups. I'm like, what if I just had more than 10 people in a group? Like, what if, but I was really attached to that thought. It's like, no, yeah. it has to be that. So when I asked myself, what is the actual issue that's creating this? Because I'm thinking it's the fact that everyone's in a different time zone, that that's the problem. We can't align the time zones. But when I sat back and I was like, what is the problem? Yeah. What's really going on here? And you saw it's it. It's much easier to figure out. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So what is your personal solve for people who are stuck in procrastination? Yeah. Okay. So there, there's a few different ways that I can take this. Um, Okay. So 
I have a bit of a process for helping people overcome procrastination. And I believe that procrastination comes from five different emotions. There's confusion, overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, and lethargy. And I think all of our, all the other emotions that we're feeling really come into one of those five buckets of emotions. And those are the ones that really stop us from taking action. So what you want to do is really recognize which one of those five confusion, overwhelm, self-doubt, fear, or lethargy is stopping you in this moment. Why are, are, which one of those is creating the procrastination for you? And once you recognize that, you might decide it's confusion. Okay. Yeah. I'm really confused. And I just, I think I don't know what to do. So that's why I'm not moving forward. Then you want to look for the opposite emotion. What would I need to feel if I was going to take action? that overcomes confusion. Cause I think a lot of times we don't overcome the thing. I call this an antidote thought or an antidote feeling. You, we just go like, and oh, this will be fun, but that hasn't overcome the, the issue, which is that you're confused. So you have to find the opposite, the thing that for you feels like the opposite. So for me with confusion, the opposite would be clarity right. or it might be, um, yeah, it would usually probably be the feeling of clarity. So, okay. Now that I'm know, know that that's the emotion, what thought is going to create that clarity for me? And like, how can I remove that slave jammer from the other one and just start thinking this instead? And would what want to find like the opposite or the antidote thought that goes with that? So it might be like, I know exactly what to do. For example, if I'm feeling was feeling really confused before, now I'm like, no, I know exactly what to do. Doesn't mean that you have to believe it yet. And this right. is the part I think people get caught up in. They're like, I can't find a thought. And I'm like, you don't have to believe it. Like, what would you believe if? Like, what would be the thought you would need to believe? Right. And once you've got that, then you want to find evidence for it. Now, now this is the biggest piece that I think gets missed from a lot of coaching is people are like, yeah, just change the thought. Just like go now think, just say it a hundred times in the mirror. I know exactly what to do. I know exactly what to do. That doesn't help if you don't believe it. So you have to start looking for reasons why it's true. Well, I know exactly what to do because I've done it before because I am absolutely qualified to do this because I'm a human being. And that's what makes me qualified because, and you actually look for all the reasons because that one time one person told me that I was good at this. You just like list them out until your brain is like, oh yeah, actually I do know exactly what to do. Yes. And so there's kind of three steps to like clarify that you want to find what emotion is creating the procrastination. You want to like swap that emotion out for an opposite emotion. And then you want to find evidence for the thought that would create that emotion. Yes. For people who struggle to find evidence, what would be your bit of advice for them there? Yeah, it's super common in the beginning for the brain to be like, there is no evidence. What are you talking about? Um, but you're actually already really good at creating evidence because you've created all this evidence for why you're not good enough or why you are completely confused or whatever the thing is that's stopping you. So I would just almost like shift that thought. Like I immediately, like I do know how to find evidence Yes, and, and you can go out and create more evidence, but there's so much evidence all around you. Like pick up something. I'm like, why is this water that's sitting next to me evidence that I know exactly what to do? Well, I poured this. I know how to pour water. So I guess if I can pour water, I can also get on a zoom call with Elise and, you know, do an amazing podcast. Like anything could be evidence. In fact, this is one of my favorite sayings is everything is evidence that I'm going to succeed. It doesn't matter what goes wrong. I'm like, Oh, that was a disaster. Like fantastic. That means that I'm going to succeed. And here's why. 
Yes. And I think too, once you have kind of taken that first step to start seeking evidence, it reminds me of right now I'm car shopping, right? So I'm looking at two different types. I'm looking at a Porsche and I'm looking at a Tesla. So now all of a sudden, all my brain is doing is every time I'm driving down the road, I'm like, there's another Porsche, there's another Tesla. Ooh, that one has black rims. Ooh, that one has the tinted windows. And now I'm starting to see, okay, this is building my evidence case for which car is the right one for me. And it's the same thing with thought work, right? Once we kind of see it, we're like, oh, there's a little something. And now you're tuned into it. Now your perception is shifted into looking into that where a lot of times we're just sleepwalking through life. We don't have any awareness. We're like, oh, wait, am I awake today? Did I just drive through that red light? I'm not sure, right? So it's so critical. And I'm so happy you talked about that because I do think that's a critical step that gets missed. It's like, we're so good at continuing to validate the thought we don't want to believe about ourselves, i.e. I'm not good enough versus writing down all the ways you're good enough at any moment. And I have my clients do that. Or even if they're under the belief that they didn't do enough today, I'm like, okay, well, what are all the things that you did do? Write that down and show yourself and build that evidence because when they write it down, they're like, oh my God, I had no idea that I did all those things because we're just on autopilot. So we've got to consciously shift into seeing that and actually showing yourself, hey, I'm a lot, I'm doing a lot more. I'm a lot, you know, better at this than I thought I was and show yourself that. So I, I love that you said that. I think that that's huge. And I think too, especially in the aspect of something that we do that we it's subconsciously killing our confidence we don't realize that that we're doing it and it's on the same vein here is not making a decision right so we get stuck in confusion because we're not deciding and we're like oh i don't know or we're farming it out to everybody to get their opinion and now we're stuck in more inaction creating more confusion because we have so many voices in our head but not deciding we know this it's not that's a decision right procrastinating Mm -hmm. on making the decision is a decision. And that kills our confidence because we're like, wait, why don't I know? And that's so disempowering. If you're taking action from the place of believing that you don't know versus saying like, okay, I might not know this, but what do I know? Oh, so good. Like this is decision-making is one of my favorite topics because (laughs) I never let a client come in and I'm like, oh, they're not going to make it. I'm like, they're going to have a decision in five minutes. Yes. And my technique that I've developed for decision-making is something I call default decision-making. And what you do is like, we an, an example is like, if you're sitting in a restaurant and you don't know what you're going to order, like most people look at every single thing on the menu, compare them all to each other and then agonize about it until the waiter comes. And then when the waiter comes, you say, can we just have five more minutes? And then, and then you like worry about them when they come because the pressure is on to make a decision or you're so fed up by now, you just select something, right? Yeah. That's not a fun way to live life. And it also keeps you from being able to move forward and get your order in before that huge table that just came in and they all just put in their order, but you didn't put it in, even though you were right before them. Yeah. So it does create some disadvantages. So what I call default decision-making is you open up the menu and the first thing you see that you're marginally happy with, you that's the thing you're going with. That's your decision. Now you get to look through the rest of the menu and see if you want to change your decision. I love that. But when the waiter comes, you always have a decision. So they say, hey, you ready to order? Yup, I've got this. I can order that. And you know, if you completely change your mind, you can run after them in five minutes and be like, I've changed my order. Like you can always change your decision in life and everything that you do. But if you have a default decision straight away, immediately you make a decision, you can always take action on it. And then if you take an action on the quote unquote wrong decision and you find out it wasn't the thing you wanted to create, you just change your decision from there. Yes. Always have one. I love that. And I think it's let this be a permission slip to everybody who's listening that you're allowed to change your decision, right? For so many of us, we're like, I decided now I can't back out. It's like, no, you can evolve your decision. You can have this be a natural unfolding based on how things are going. That's okay. But I know my husband and I were just talking about this because he's like, I don't want to give you an answer because I know. And I'm like, hey, 
you can change your answer. It's okay. I'm not, there's no decision-making police that are coming for you. Like, burp, burp, hold on. You changed your decision. You're going to decision jail. Like it's not, that's not how it works. So that's I, hilarious. it's love so that. funny, but we, I, I love that you use the, the restaurant analogy because that's probably where I spend the most time in my life is deciding what I want to eat. And I understand that's a huge opportunity for me when it comes to time saving. <laughs> there you go. You know, exactly what we actually have in, um, in my house, we decided, that we already have a default for what we're going to eat. If we don't know, especially for going out, like, cause we're always like, which restaurant should we go to? And yeah. like, you've like, forget suddenly you're like, you can't think of any restaurant in your entire town. You're like, we don't have any restaurants. So like, that's where my brain goes. So we just decided we always have pizza at this one place, unless we change our minds and we prefer something else. Otherwise we're always going to pizza. If we ever go out, we're going to this place called pizzeria Napoli. And we're going to go to pizzeria Napoli unless we think of something we prefer. I love that. I'm I'm so adopting that because it's my, people hate going out to dinner with us because it's so we're like, ooh, what is this gonna taste like? And blah blah blah. They're like, just make a decision already. I'm like, but what if it's the wrong one and I don't end up liking what I got? <laughs> well, that's actually so good because the other day I went to Pizza Bay Napoli and I had terrible we went for Valentine's Day. It was terrible. <laughs> Sorry if they're listening. It really <laughs> wasn't good. And um I could easily have been like, oh, that was such a terrible decision. What a wrong decision that I made. Well, I was like, no, I made the absolute right decision. And the right decision was I made a decision and I, yes. I did it. And I have this theory that at least 20% of the time that I spend, the money that I spend, the energy that I spend is going to be wasted. And on purpose, I think this so that I'm never like, oh my gosh, what a waste. I should have had that perfect. I'm like, okay, this is one of the 20% because in order to get the 10%, that's just Oh, the best decision you ever made in your life. You have to have sometimes the 20% that's not, that wasn't the best decision or wasn't, um, it was a waste of time or energy or money. Like I always think that with money. Cause sometimes I'm like, I shouldn't have bought that thing. It was such a waste. But most of the time I'm like, I'm so glad I bought that thing. So I'm like, it's just a balance 20, at least 20% of the stuff I buy is going to be a complete waste of money. And I'm prepared to, to just be like, Oh, that was just one of them. Great. Got that out of the way. Oh my God. Just you all just adopting that one thing will change your life. Oh, take notes, pull out your journal and take note. <laughs> okay. So while we're on this topic, I, another thing that I see, and it's in the same vein here, killing confidence and uh, keeping us out of action is over planning, which also once again, goes back to not making a decision. So talk to me about when you see people get stuck in over planning mode. <laughs> mm -hmm. One of the very first things that I do with my clients is I make them create a simple plan. And I have a particular process. It's called the all it takes plan. I'm going to share it with you today and give you all the goods. Yeah, the all yeah. it takes plan is essentially a list of no more than five like steps that are non-negotiable that have to happen for you to achieve your goal. It is called the all it takes plan and not the everything it takes plan. Because most of us try to create an everything it takes plan with a hundred steps and we get immediately overwhelmed. The all it takes plan is just the non-negotiable things that have to happen. And if you could take something off that list and still achieve the goal, then it doesn't get to go on the list. So a really good example of this is like putting up a website. A lot of people want to put that on their plan, but if you could go out and start your business or start your project or whatever it is that you're putting the website up for without that, and you could technically get a client or whatever without it, it doesn't get to go on there. It's not one of the steps. I love that. I love that. Cause those are the little things that it's like, Oh, well, I can't do that. And I used to use that excuse when I started my business all the time. Well, I can't get started because of this and this, and people would just believe me. I'm like, wait, I know I'm giving you an excuse. Hold on. Why is nobody busting me on this? And I knew I was my own bullshit. Right. But it was such an easy way to not keep going. It was so much mm -hmm. easier. Right. But, Oh, yeah. that's so good. So I know you talk about something a lot that I also talk about, and that is to don't list. <laughs> 
to hold mm-hmm. ourselves accountable, right? And when I'm doing future self-work with clients, I always have them look at this version of you, what she would be doing every day versus what you wouldn't be doing every day, because that's such an area of accountability. And especially with little things like, let's say you gossip or you complain, those are all time suck energy wasters, right? So for, for you with two don't list, like, tell me why you think that these are so valuable. Yeah. I think that I create myself a to don't list because almost from my creative frenzy energy, I feel like I constantly have this thought. I should be writing a book. It's like a really good one. That's been in my head for years. I should be writing a book. I should write a book. And every time I get a good idea, I'm like, I should write a book. What? (laughs) What? Like, as if it's a new idea each time I'm like, what, this is crazy. I should write a book. And so on my, but I don't, that's not one of the goals that I want to actually achieve in the next year. And so I put it on my to don't list. I'm actively not writing a book. So anytime my brain says, Hey, you should write a book. I'm like, Nope. We're not, remember, that's one of the things we're not doing on purpose. You decided you're not doing that. And it's so much freedom from the should. So whatever it is that you think you should be doing, check it on the yeah. don't list. But yeah. then I also love that you're talking about the smaller things like the gossiping or whatever else, yeah. because that's also fun to put on there. A hundred percent, because we don't realize that those little things are eating up so much valuable time. And it feels terrible as you're doing it too. You don't walk away feeling like, oh, that was productive use of my time. <laughs> No, yes. Not how it works. One of the right? things I've just put on my to don't list is making my bed, which is so counterintuitive. But for a high performance coach, everyone's like, what are you talking about? You have to make your bed. Aren't you taking cold showers? I'm like, no, I take hot showers every day because yeah. I don't believe that cold showers is going to get me closer to my personal goals. If maybe if I was an athlete, it might have a different effect, but I'm not necessarily, that's not my main goal to be an athlete. So I just don't believe that making my bed is going to help. And it was taking so much, um, not time, but mental drained energy. Like, Oh, I forgot to do that. Or like, Oh, I've already failed because I woke up this morning and I didn't do it. And I would just feel this guilt or this feeling of like, I'm not performing at the highest level. And I'm like, you know what? Nope. I'm just not going to make my bed. And if I randomly decide one day that I have to make it for some reason, whatever, but like, it's never going on my, I need to do this list because it's just not important. Uh -uh. Right. I mean, and some people love it. So some people, and it could be your thing that you're going to do every single day to build that self-trust if that's what you decide, because it could be an easy thing to do, but you get to, you get to call the shots. I'm like, no, making your bed's got nothing to do with whether you're successful or not. And notice how powerfully she just made a decision, everybody, right? It's like, no, this is not going to be the best use of my time and energy. I'm not going to do this. And I want you all to think about anything that I like to call them focus leaks, right? It could be making a doctor's appointment. It could be getting your car service, anything where your energy is going. And if that's something that you notice, oh, I think about that every day and I I dedicate two minutes to this every single day. Now time's up by 365 days and think about how much time you just lost. So either make a decision to do it and put it on your list and get it done or stop dedicating focus to it, right? It's like, we see these little things just start to eat away. And it's like, oh, where did my whole day go? I got lost doing this. You were thinking about things that were just focus leaks, right? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought that up because I just had such a good example of this yesterday. I have, I joined this um, group program for like a mind-body connection pain. And it was the most amazing thing. I completely healed my body through the work of the mind. It was amazing. Love it. But we've been in this group chat for a year since, and I'm not in it at all, but every day, maybe three, five times a day, I have to archive it because I have it on mute, but then I see it and I, I want to archive it and get rid of it. And I do that three to five times a day. I'm like, what am I doing for a year now? What? And so I sent them the message. I'm like, I love you all. We're connected. Like I'm leaving this chat and it's not a anything bad. I was like, I could have done that a year ago and saved myself 
the tiny little decision that I have to make every five times a day to just remove that. What a waste. Right. And this is once again, why people are like, why are you stressed out? Why are you anxious? Cause these little things are eating away. And this is, I always talk about minimizing the amount of decisions that you need to make in the morning, right? So whatever you need to do at night to set yourself up to eliminate, maybe it's two or three things that you might think about. It's going to create so much ease in your morning. Just like now you don't have to look at your phone and be like, Oh God, I feel guilty for not engaging. I should have shut up, right? The shoulds that come in. And anytime I know you all hear me talk about this all the time. No shoulds. We do not entertain shoulds. We do not shit on ourselves. That's just shame and judgment, right? So if you hear a should, we're going to put that on, like Sarah said, on the to don't list. So I love that. That's actually one other thing on that really makes me think about um, is my meal plan. I used to think that I, if I was going to have a meal plan and I was going to eat well, I was going to need to have like 14 different days of like options and breakfasts and lunches and dinners and snacks and all the things. And I was going to have to come with this huge thing with a nutritionist and all the things. And then I was like, no, I looked up, what do I need to eat to have the things that I need to eat? I'm vegan. So I was like, okay, what are the things that you have to make sure you have in your diet? And I made one meal plan, Elise. And I eat that same meal plan every single day. And people are like, what are you talking about? You must get so bored. But I switch it up a little bit. I'm not like, it's not the boringest thing. Like I'll have a salad for lunch every day. And I know what's going in it in general, but I might swap one of the ingredients out for another. It's fine. But I already know, I don't have to question like, what should I have for lunch? Because that used to take up so much energy that I just wouldn't eat. Like I would just be like, well, I would eat, but I would eat like a snack, something terrible just to like calm, just, just to shut my stomach up. Like, okay, you're not hungry anymore. Like we can get back to what we were doing. And then suddenly it'll be growling 10 minutes later. And I would just keep doing like topping it up a tiny, like putting like $2 of petrol in your car, like (laughs) every time Um, that's what it felt like doing. And now I'm like, I just eat the same thing every day. And if I want to change my decision in that moment, I can do that. But now I know, I know exactly what I'm going to have for breakfast and exactly what I'm going to have for lunch every single day. And then my boyfriend cooks dinner. He's amazing. So um, I'm lucky with that. But (laughs) Lunch used to be the hugest issue for me. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. That's such valuable advice too. Okay. Another question for you. Why is now the best time to start? Oh, it's the only time to start. You can't ever start any other time, right? Right. Um, anytime I think of like, I should have started before, I just think of my future self who's going to be like, you should start now. That's it. I think that that's so valuable just to think about, okay, what would future me say if I didn't get started now? And really holding yourself accountable through the you that already has whatever it is that you want to do. Because how, I mean, it feels terrible to let her down, right? It's so easy to say, oh, she really wants me to get started today and use that as the extra motivation to actually get going. But I see so many people talk about, oh, it has to be the right time. No, it's the right time when we decide it's the right time, right? And I know that's another excuse that can really grow legs. I see you rolling your eyes. Talk to me about what came up when I said that. (laughs) Okay. It made me immediately think of um, how the people who get what they want in this world do not wait for the perfect time. They pounce on their goals and they do it before they're ready as well. So they will sell their course that they're creating before they've even created it. They will send their book off to publishers once it's got the the idea in the first chapter written. They don't go, I'm just going to write this entire book first. Like how many books are sitting in drawers, or I should say nowadays, nobody has a book in a drawer, on on a Google Drive somewhere that could have been the next Harry Potter, but never got sent out because they just didn't quite get to the last chapter because they got busy or something like they could have had that out in the world. And so people who get what they want, they just don't wait. I found my partner when I was 18 years old. I was like, everyone else was like, yeah, let's go to university. Like, woo, let's just party. Let's have fun. Whatever. And I was like, I am here to find myself a man. (laughs) And, and, And we were living in like a hostel. There were 400 students and there were 200 women, 200 men. 
in this hostel. And I was like, okay, there's 200 guys here. Like chances are one of them is going to be a compatible match for me. Like how can they not be? This is my best opportunity. And I met everyone within the space of a couple of months. I just talked to every single person, basically like interviewed everyone secretly. And I was like, okay, who, who is here? Like, and I would, um, I'm initially, I was like super desperate and weird with my energy. Um, I was like, I'm someone be my boyfriend. And it was horrible. And I figured that didn't work. And so when I found my boyfriend now, I was like, you know what? Like, I'm not even gonna, I'm just going to be like this. Oh, me. I'm so fun. You want to come hang with me? Like, yeah, that's cool. If not, no worries. Someone else, there's 200 guys here. Like someone else will want to come and hang with me. And, um, I, I like totally pounced on this. I was like, not going to wait. And, not that you need to do it at 18 or anything, but I think I had that mentality from the start. Like I'm not too young to find my person. And I didn't expect, I always thought I would move to New York and get proposed to by a, next to a fountain. Um, but I, that, that wasn't it actually in the end. <laughs> well, who knows? But like, I just was like, I'm going to pounce on this idea. You don't have to wait. You, I, I also think love is a goal you can create. I think a lot 100%. of people think love just happens to you. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's just like any other goal. You put it in the thing, you create your all it takes plan. Yep. You go out oh, and yeah. meet 200 people. You make it happen. I did that with my, with my husband. It was crazy. I got out of a very toxic relationship and I was sitting in college and my college class. And I was like, what would my dream man actually be? And I wrote down every component of what what I dreamed of, like how he would treat me and not looks like I didn't care about any of that. I just genuinely coming out of something so terrible, had such a clear vision of what I was never going to settle for again. And it is so surreal because I want to say it was about 10 years later, we had moved into our house. We were about to get married. I was going through an old box. I found my college notebook and here it literally said my dream man, hideous, like college me sending her love. But I look at this list and I'm like, oh my God, did, did he check the boxes? every single box. So even though he came almost a decade after me writing that list, I still had energetically aligned for exactly what I wanted. So that's what came to me. And it is the perfect partner for me. My soulmate could not be better. And I think about what if I wouldn't have ever created that clarity for myself? Would I still be on the dating scene, like swiping left, swiping right? I've never even had to use online dating because, you know, we've been together for so long, but (laughs) that's amazing. I love that story. Yeah. And I think too, it's so many of us live in this mindset and it's interesting watching my parents go through their cancer journey because they talk all the time about all the things that they wish they would have done in their life. And a long time ago, when I was a major procrastinator, I started thinking about, okay, what, like what you said, what, what future me think? And I would think there's no such thing as later. And that's how I started living my life is just, you know what, there is no such thing as later. And that's why I've been to 33 countries. And that's why I'm constantly taking these huge risks because I don't want to look back and say, oh, I wish I would have done this, or I wish I would have gotten started. No, I'm going to take advantage of every single moment that I have air in my lungs, because I don't want to be having the conversations that my parents are having now of, oh, I wish we could have gone here. I wish we could have done this because the reality is that's not going to happen for them. And I'm going to make sure that's something that breaks in my generation, right? I'm not going to continue that pattern moving forward because I don't want my son to go back and look, you know, be on his deathbed and be like, oh, I wish I did all these things. No, I'm going to do the damn thing. (laughs) I love it. Yes, totally. I recently did an, a podcast episode about how there's this like general feeling and, and saying around that life is short and we use it all the time to try to help ourselves. Like, you know, life's short, like do the thing that matters. But to me, that creates like a panicky feeling. I'm like, life's short, like got to get it all done. Like right now. And it almost does the opposite. I almost get paralyzed by the, in like the feeling of like the huge weight of having to do that. And so I started saying, and this is not necessarily true, like the thing that everyone wants to believe, but for me, I love the saying, um, 
life is the exact right amount of time. Like it's exactly the right amount of time for me. And I'm going to grab it. Like, but only if, only if you grab it, but like, it's the exact right amount of time. And the reason I like to think that is because I also feel like it robs, um, or like, at least for myself, I'm not speaking for anyone else, but whenever I see someone who has died earlier than like what the life expectancy is, it's almost like taking from them, like that their life was too short. And what about if their life was exactly the impact that they had, that they were there to make no matter how many days or moments that they had on this earth. And like, yes, like that just feels like, oh, okay, I can relax into that and know that I'm going to go out and make my impact and whatever it is that I do will be exactly enough. And I'm still going to go do it now because, you know, we don't have forever. So yeah, I love that. I always think about too, like if I were to go today, would I be satisfied with this life? And hundred percent, yes. Cause I've made mm-hmm. this life exactly what I want. And not a lot of people can say that because they haven't done this work. So invitation to y'all out there who are listening to this. If you don't feel that way about your life, it's time to do something about it. Cause you get to decide. Okay. One final question I have for you. Talk to me about the difference between high performance and high achievement. Ooh. Okay. So I typically make the distinction between high performance and peak performance. Um, and I think that that's a, it's a similar kind of question that you're asking. The way I see it, high performance is like a lifestyle. It's about always showing up as the version of you who does what you say you're going to do, who simplifies things, who does what really matters. And then high achievement is like the peak. It like happens in certain moments and you can be a high achiever and still not be a high performer. You can have achieved this and that and this and that in your life and feel absolutely miserable about it. And I think if you're a high performer, you're somebody who shows up in your every day to think the way you want to think and be that it's like, a it's a, it's a difference between being and doing right. It's yeah. the being the version of you who is being the one who is the high performer versus doing the things that got you high achieving because you can totally get to all the high achieving things and totally look around and be like that was there's a beautiful saying about um I'm gonna butcher it but it's like um when you climb the corporate ladder and realize the ladder was on the wrong building oh that was me yeah uh-huh. is that you you said oh, that oh you, oh you no that's that was my life <laughs> oh that was your yeah. life. I would totally give you credit for the quote too yeah, yeah. No. Like, yeah, put my name next to someone. No, but that was what I was living. It was like, I was such a high achiever, but it was fueled by insecurity, right? It was like, I've got to get to the top. I've got to prove all the things. And then I got to the top and it was like, wait, I'm miserable. I'm unhealthy. I have all this money and success and achievement, but yet- I, you know, my dreams came true, but yet I'm not happy. Like that doesn't make sense. Right. And now I live more of a high performance life where it is just my lifestyle. Everything I do, it's at an elevated, you know, level of excellence as to where before it was the peaks and the valleys. And I want to know for you, like what made you want to get into high performance? Like what, what pulled you towards it? Yeah, that is a really great question. Um, when other kids were reading Harry Potter, I was reading Tony Robbins. I like, love it. I just, I was into it from a young age. And I think it's less about me getting into high, high performance, which just happened to be the type of coaching that I discovered first. Yeah. Um, and then I fell in love with it. Uh, but there's lots of different amazing types of coaching. I think the actual um, idea of living what really matters to you comes to me from the belief that I have that Nobody ever changed the world with a realistic idea. Nobody ever got what they wanted from playing small. And so to live at that high performance across the board in your life feels like to me, not even an option. It's like the only way 
that you can live. Like, I mean, it doesn't mean that if you're living in another way, you can't ever have it. I'm just saying like, that's what I always wanted. And there was certainly times in my life where I didn't feel like a high performer, but that was always the goal, right? Was to feel like I was high performing across because I couldn't imagine how can you not want to live an extraordinary life to into your potential? Like there just, it just didn't, it's not even a question. Like it was never an option for me. Like that was just, I'm born with that feeling. I love that so much. And I can feel your conviction coming through as you talk about that too. That's so beautiful. Okay. So in final closing, if there is something that you had to say that is keeping somebody from staying committed, from taking that confident action, if you had to give them one final golden nugget, one wisdom bomb, just smack them in the face with something, what would you say? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to give you my formula for how to achieve any goal and, and get yourself to take action. The first thing is you have to create a plan. Like you have to, um, what is the word? My brain has completely lost it from my brain. Um, you, anyway, you create a plan, then you have to, oh, you have to plan your actions. That's the word I was trying to use. Plan your actions. Then you have to plan your thoughts ahead of time. Cause most people don't do this. They don't plan. They're like, okay, I'm just into it. Now I planned all my actions. I'm just going to go and do it. And then all of the things come. You have to plan your thoughts. What are you going to think? We talked about this in the beginning of this episode. Yes. Then you have to think those thoughts. Yes. This is another piece. Some people even get to the point of planning what they're going to think. And then in the moment, they completely forget it all. You have to actually think those thoughts. And the best way to do that is to have them like written in front of your face somewhere on your computer, on your fridge, wherever you can see them. And then you got to do the actions and doing the actions will happen as a result. It's just like you'll be compelled into it once you're thinking the thoughts. So you have to plan your actions, plan your thoughts, think the thoughts, and then do the actions. And it might sound oversimplified, but if you walk yourself through that process, okay, what am I planning my actions to be? What am I planning the thoughts to be? What? How am I going to make sure I think the thoughts in that moment? And then that's going to compel me to take the action. Yes. And I think thoughts like I can do this, I can figure it out, you know, not living in the space of, oh, it's nothing's working. I don't know how, right. We've got to stay away from that. So when Sarah's using that as an example, I want to even, if there's any other thoughts that you want to throw in there too, to help people take action, I know those are two big ones or that just, you have the belief that you're somebody who can do the thing that you want to do. Cause a lot of us are like, oh, I could never do that. Yes, you can. Anybody can do anything they put their mind to. Are there any other thoughts that come to mind? Yeah. I mean, on on that note, like the thoughts you think are everything. Right. And once you realize you are in control of your thoughts, you have mind control, not of other people, but of you, like you act the, the beautiful thing I once heard was uh, my friend went to therapy and got told this is you can't choose your first thought, but you can choose your second thought. So the thought that pops into your brain, just because it's popped up there doesn't mean you have to keep thinking it. I like to think of it like a platter and you're being served up like a platter of food. And then you're like, well, I guess I got to eat this all. Like, even though I don't like olives, I'm just going to stuff my face with them because they're on the platter. Like you get to select what you want from the platter that your brain has brought you of the food. Like here's all the options. What do you want to think? It's okay. My brain still tells me stuff all the time. It's like, oh, like even partly through this, I, I self-coached myself. I was like, this isn't going well. I watched my, I watched my brain go, "Uh uh-uh, you shouldn't have said that thing. And I was like, that's not going to help me. And I was like, I'm crushing this. And I was like, and here's why. And because you said right then, oh, I love that. And I was like, there you go. There's my evidence. She just said she loved it. So like I I was self-coaching myself through this. And I think that like, I wouldn't have been able to keep going with the energy that I have right now had I not done that right then. So like the thoughts are always going to pop up. And for me, they still pop up. Oh, you're not a dwarf. I know. That. Oh, that was dumb. Same. Right, I had... If I think into that, I'm going to cr- create more of that. 
Yes. I had a hideous thought come in the other day because I'm going through pregnancy hormones, like the post, you know, breastfeeding, all this stuff. My brain has been in a nasty place. And I had this thought. It was like, you're a worthless old woman. And I was like, whoa, not my thought. And I instantly saw it. I was like, we're going to send that one back to the kitchen. Like that is not how I think about myself. And it was so crazy to have that awareness in that moment of, hey, this thought just came through my brain, but it's not true. I'm going to choose to not attach to this because that's not how I choose to self-identify is by this hideous thought. Like it's so, it was just so interesting in that moment. I was like, oh, thank God for tools. Right. Because a few years ago, I'd be like, oh, well, I guess I'm just a worthless old woman now. Right. Like, yes. It's so and crazy. I love that you said that it's not true because one of the things I like to think about is like not None of our thoughts are true until we make them true. Right. So you get to decide if you're going to believe that thought and then act upon it and then, you know, sit at home and do nothing all day and become a worthless old woman. Like you can, you can live into that if you yeah. want to, right? Yeah. It will become or you your truth. Decide, no, yep. I'm a boss woman who's crushing it. Who's like, you know, just incredible in all of the ways. And yep. then you're just going to show up as that and keep proving that to be true. Like you don't think a thought because it's already true. You think a thought to make it true. Yes. Ending on a power note, my friend, just as you do. Okay. I'm so grateful for you being here today. How can people find you? They can find me anywhere under my name, Sarah Arnold Hall. So I'm on all the platforms, but Instagram is my main one. And my website is saraharnoldhall.com. And if you like listening to me, then you have to go and check out my podcast, which is called How to Take Action. And they're just like 10 minute snippets. So you can just get back into your day. And if you are the kind of person who's like 10 minutes is too long, chuck it on double speed. You got five minutes to change your life today. Then you can like go listen to my podcast because it's going to change your life. I agree. I love your podcast so much. And I love listening to you. Like I would hire you, you to like read me bedtime stories because your voice is so amazing. Oh, that's fun. Thank you. <laughs> oh my god my most sultry voice <laughs> right it's so good and see and also if you want to work with sarah she's got an amazing offer let's talk about this really quick yeah my offer absolutely i help people follow through on what they say they're going to do and my offer is action academy so you come in it's a group coaching program and you get coached on all of the things that are holding you back from taking action <clears throat> excuse me one of which is going to be you're not having a simple plan. So we're going to create a plan and then you're going to go away and all the drama is going to come up and I'm going to coach you and watch and everyone else. You're going to watch everyone else get coached. So come and join Action Academy. It is the best. Yes. Oh my God. Well, thank you for sharing your beautiful brain with us. I so many wisdom bombs just came out. Like literally people take what she just said and run a hundred miles an hour and then go hire her as your coach. She's incredible. Thank you so much for being here with me today. This is so fun. <laughs> Yay. Thank you for having me. This was awesome. All right, we'll catch you all later. Bye. Bye. Oh, hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If this helps you, I would love for you to share the gift of confidence with a friend because this is how we all grow. So share this with your girls, a coworker, a fellow mama, or your fam on social media because we all need support in our confidence journey. So sharing can help us heal, feel better, and take steps to grow now. Also, I'd love if you would drop your rating in. Ratings and reviews help me so much more than you realize. And if you found yourself listening today and thinking, I need professional support, I would love to invite you to join the CAN program where I will teach you how to take confident action now. If increased confidence is what you want, this is multiple months of dedicated you time where we will do the deep work on you to create your most confident self, both personally and professionally. Because once you know how to generate the feeling of confidence from the inside out, the possibilities become endless and your results become inevitable. This is the most valuable investment you will ever 
for making yourself. And I cannot wait to see who you become on the other side of doing this work on you. So visit me at soulmakeup.com to learn more or come be my bestie on Instagram. You can find me at your soul makeup. See you next time.